0: avery group's podcast series talk retail to me where we offer insights and realistic advice from experts in the retail and consumer brands industries if you're new to parker avery and this podcast we are a leading retail and consumer goods consulting firm with over 600 years of collective experience both as consultants as well as leadership positions in the industry Our firm uniquely combines deep industry experience with consulting expertise and world-class talent to deliver meaningful results. Our approach allows us to build successful, long-term relationships with some of the most recognizable retail and consumer brands in the world. If you're interested in learning more about the Park Ravery Group, we invite you to visit parkravery.com.
1: Hi, this is Kathy Toll. And on this week's Parker Avery Podcast, we're delighted to have two of our favorite clients join us. Tony Bradley, the Vice President of Corporate Development, and Drew DeMincey, Director of Wholesale, both from Abercrombie & Fitch. Today, we turn our attention to all things change, both from an organization and individual perspective. In a recent Harvard Business Review article, John Cotter, well-known in the change management circles, and his colleagues discuss how the increasing volatility, complexity, and rapid change has become our new normal. The team calls out the need for more agile and adaptable organizations, which of course is easier said than done. Constant change can be exhausting and it can be exhilarating. One of the notions introduced in the article that we dig into today is the thrive versus survive response, which is rooted in our human nature and how we individually respond to change. Thrive is activated by opportunities associated with excitement and enthusiasm and curiosity. It's that what a great idea feeling we get. Survive, on the other hand, is triggered by a perceived threat. So our fight or flight instincts kick in and we move into fear mode. And when an individual is in fear mode, they cannot be at their best working in an organization, particularly one that's going through a change. Also joining me today is Trisha Gustin, who kicks off our conversation. So let's
2: dive right in. So Tony and Drew, does this does this resonate with you? Was there ever a time you experienced the survive response during an organization transition?
0: Yeah, I can jump in, Tony, and obviously you and I can can kind of go back and forth. But uh, it certainly did. I thought the article, quite honestly, it really resonated, particularly as we're all kind of noticing as as things have changed. Rapidly over the last couple of years, uh, with the pandemic and what, how that's changed, kind of the the atmosphere and kind of the the climate. You see, you see how important it is to to handle change and increasingly quick change in a certain way to make sure that the response is is as you would anticipate. So, having having lived through situations where change is happening rapidly, I think what's so important, as called out in the article, is you need to make sure you you provide context to the change that's happening for teams of all sizes but particularly bigger teams and the the more broad the more important it is to have clear communication and i've always found that establishing you know a core group of of change leaders and those those who you know can acclimate adapt and having them kind of be key influencers throughout the the greater group has been has been pivotal as change like this has come up. But, Tony, I'm not sure what what your thoughts would be on on that particular topic. I mean, I strongly
3: agree with what you're saying. I think, you know, in my experiences, the differences between good transitions and more difficult transitions is is often the amount of preparation that goes in, right? It's the more the team feels equipped with why we're doing what we're doing, what what the wins are on the other side, you do send it, tend to see that more positive response. You know, the the survive response is so common when it's, you know, fire drill time. You're moving very quickly. There isn't maybe time or people don't take the time to give the real context around the why. Right. And so that creates additional fear because whatever that change might be, then if people don't know what's going on, then they start to ask questions, right? Or they question themselves like, well, if we do this, like, is my job going to be eliminated? Am I going to be doing something that I don't like anymore? Like, what, what's the end result of all of this? And if you can shortcut those, those sort of primal fear responses right. with appropriate context, it goes so far.
1: I would, um, what I loved about this article is years ago, our change initiatives were built on the burning platform, right? I mean, that's, that's what I grew up with is we have to like a sense of urgency, burning platform. And I can remember working with a client um, and they painted the bleakest darkest picture of how they were doing compared to their competitor. And that was the stage that we were to work with. And it, it does that primal fear of, it decreases our cognitive capabilities to cope. And we're just not listening anymore to what's going on we're more concerned about all the noise that's in our head
0: yeah kathy i'm glad you said that because quite honestly i think the other point that's important is with this noise is as tony alluded to giving the contextual why is so important for everyone but i think there's in combination with that i've found that we're in this new world and particularly for us we're we're still predominantly remote and i think it's only amplified this necessity to remain close yeah. and in tune with your team right and that that's taken a whole number of different different ways and avenues as opposed to just sliding over to their desk or we often would walk to the cafe on campus or have lunch together we've had to get really creative but i think that at at its core that that understanding of keeping your your finger on the pulse of of the team that you're leading or that you're working with is so important because that often can dictate how you contextualize or set direction or communicate
3: when these things are changing so rapidly i love that concept that we're sort of circling around with with the COVID response right drew brought up in, in reference to remote work but there's so many other macro emotional constructs that are being challenged right you know in general there is more fear in the world right Mm -hmm. you know so so many people know someone who got sick an an alarming number of people know someone who's died fear is more prevalent in the world today than it was two years ago because of the situation that we're living in and so it's it's so important for us to even if we tend to maybe sit in a position of relative safety I, i get to work from home i haven't really been touched by this disease in some way we have to really be empathetic to what everybody's going through to an even greater degree than we would have under normal circumstances, right? Yeah. I thought it was a really interesting point in the intro of the article that the COVID response brought this adaptability to the forefront. Right. And that's certainly true, right? You can't, you can't dispute that. I don't know if it's as true as the author made it out to be because Brands or retailers or whatever who were succeeding pre-COVID were also the ones that were incredibly nimble and agile and be preparing for future change, right? It's it's those same philosophies that we believed in two and three years ago are still true, but the circumstances around us have changed so much. And if we can be cognizant of that, we can help guide, you know, teams through it. It's just a an unprecedented experience of trying to balance things that we've never considered in the same breath before.
2: Yeah, the empathy is really important um, during this time because we're all going through it, but then managing through change, additional changes through it is an entirely different animal. Let's look at the the thrive response. There's a fine line between activating that thrive channel without kind of overheating their survive <laughs> channel. <laughs> what are your thoughts on walking that tight rope?
0: So this one hits home uh, quite a bit for Tony and I. Uh, which is a good, obviously for good reasons. There's so much, and Kathy, you you were with us recently. There's so much exciting. There's so many so many exciting things happening, and we see so much growth ahead of us that, uh, you know, for Tony and I, we're we're all in, right? Like the, the, it, it does generate this this thrive r- response, and I think experience plays plays into this thrive versus survive to some degree. Um, having lived through a little bit more change or different types of change, it makes folks either a little more prone or less prone to that thrive response. But, but part of it's too, just, just understanding this article weaves in the, this concept of just human nature. How how much does human nature play, play into this? And I thought, I found that really interesting. You start to go down a a path of the psychology um, and how people, different types of people react differently. But I think, Inevitably when we're talking about Thrive, part of that communication and setting context of the why is is truly both macro and micro carrots, if you will, in terms of, of understanding what lies ahead and what can be accomplished kind of um, if if we do these things right and generating that excitement. And I think What's interesting is you find some folks, uh, depending on on you know the size and the type of your team, is everyone responds differently. So I think it, it, a lot of it comes back to incentives too, and having a good good understanding of who's the type of of person on your team who is maybe more naturally inclined to, to some of the thrive response, and then how do you leverage that one person or those few people. help generate a little momentum i often i often think you know what we're going through you kind of hit it i've seen it in the past you hit tipping points with some of this stuff too oh yeah and you're pushing the pushing the ball uphill um and then you finally get to that point where everyone there's enough buy-in there's been enough communication and they start to see a lot of times you need to see some small wins Mm -hmm. so you know i think the the thrive obviously, in a perfect world, you want every you know, you want the thrive response way more often the survive, but it, it comes and goes. And then you have to be very specific with with how you generate that that type of response. Drew, you absolutely
3: nailed it, right? The macro and the micro, right? There's you know, every when you're trying to tackle something within your business space, you have cross functional teams that you're working with to try and achieve a goal, you've got people within your own organization, at various levels and various levels of experience, and one of the things where we we've even made missteps in the past is really thinking that one message was appropriate for all of those audiences, mm-hmm. and and we've we've obviously learned from that experience, and we've we've gotten better at curating that message, yeah. you know, for the audience, right? And Drew spoke about it as like, you know, the the big picture carrot and the little picture carrot, right? Like th- there's there's a win for everyone, but it's not always the same win, right? Different yeah. people are motivated by different things and at different points in their career, different incentives are gonna matter to them. And at times we, we do lose track of that because you get stuck in your own head or you're working with a a small homogenous group and that can lead you down a pathway that needs new input, right? So it's, it's really critical that we gain insight from more people as we are crafting the messaging so that we know what's gonna resonate in the right way and, when we do it well, it really does work. When we I wouldn't say lazy, but if we, we miss an opportunity to craft in the right way or we, we miss target an audience, it can be really tough. And that it's that you know, that communication is so critical and understanding who you're talking to and what matters to them. So then you go back to you gotta listen for a long time before you start talking.
2: Yep. Yep, absolutely.
1: That is great but and <laughs> as I was reading the article, I also um, listened to the book, ironically, as I'm listening to you all talk. And I remember as they were describing the Thrive response, I was like, that's Tony and Drew, that's exactly (laughs) your team, is they'd been like, you all were able to get people to a level of excitement, maybe a little apprehension here and there, but you really were so good about sitting back and being before you led sitting back and and putting together the message. Um, And I know even when, as we worked together, that was probably um, one of the more detailed audience segmentations I've done that where we spent really working on the the various presentations, which was, I I think, to the diverse team that you all brought to the table was so helpful. Sometimes, you know, their feedback was a little like, okay, that was real but it also was able to help us turn <laughs> and like pivot in the right direction so we didn't walk into anything unexpected.
0: Yeah, the, 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 I, I, as you alluded to, I think the honesty was critical there, like good, good or bad, I think that's part of this thing too, is, is not having blinders on as you go into this change, I think is a, is a critical component to understanding what needs to be done Looking at it everything through you know rose colored glasses right. is not the best approach. So yeah, there's there's some some realness there that you have to have to embrace, and then that's the the surest way to get to kind of a, a game plan or a change plan that that makes the most sense for the group that you're working with.
2: Yeah, it's I mean it's so true with any kind of communications. You really need to understand not only understand your audience beforehand, but be able to read them as they're th- they're taking through these changes. Being able to read and then react and recourse if you need it and adjust is super important. So in terms of reading audience, through any change, people are going to have bad days. You don't know what that person or that audience has been through or just come out of, and so it's you know easier than than we'd like for people to lose their enthusiasms. What what are some ways you all have found success in mitigating the loss of enthusiasm?
0: Yeah, I think. Kind of first uh, statement you made, I think, is is critical. Is you have to stay close, and you have to have ways to be able to gauge that because it shows itself in so many different ways, right? And I think we talked earlier on, on the chat, obviously, about some of the pros and cons of of working remotely and, and and what's happened with the pandemic. But I think that's one of the things that we're very open with on our team, and Tony and I often are. You know, we'll message and say, you know, man. Wouldn't it be nice if if we could just grab this group and walk down to the calf or pop into a room and just and just chat about this? And we've got obviously the technology to do these things, but there is that there is that component that you just don't you don't get. So you have to get extra creative, not being together. And and obviously there's things that we do outside of outside of work to try and generate that. But I think. Bringing it back to your question. I think once you establish that awareness of of kind of the highs and lows and particularly in this case Some lows on the team or people going through some lulls of hey I'm not fully bought in or I don't see where I fit in or I'm burnt out one thing that I think is very important is Depending on the size of your team is being realistic With how you as an individual can stay in tune but also leverage those on the team, depending on how many levels there are, you need others. This is a collaborative effort to kind of keep a pulse and understand, oh, so and so it's really having a rough patch. Like there's these things going on. It can be difficult sometimes to stay on top of every single thing that comes up. So I think leveraging the team that, that goes into the, this mode of, we want to make sure that everyone feels protected and kind of in a good spot. That way, when these things pop up, we can address them from a place of momentum and some positivity versus the other way around.
2: And it definitely takes some effort because it's it's harder remotely to see someone pulling back. You know, they might get a little quieter, but they could be distracted by, you know, whatever's going on in their house because they're behind a camera. But it might be something else, too. It might be a pullback because they're concerned about what's going on. with the the change that's happening and some of the communications. So it takes a little bit more effort for the the change leaders to pull that out of people who they may show indications of pulling back and and being a little more frightened about what's going on. There's some tactics that that need to be put in place for that.
3: Completely agree. Um, I, I, I bring it back to the two main points. One, it involves the preparation and one of more of the in the moment. And for me, one of the things that we've learned over the last few years You know, we had a a year of delay in some of the work that we've been doing because of 2020 and just everybody needing to see what was going to happen next before we started to move forward again. And that year actually gave us um, an additional opportunity that we may not have taken otherwise to hear more, right? Hear more voices, gather more insights, and to appropriately set the right expectations. And when we get those expectations right, everybody really knows what they're getting into and if you're not pushing too hard it means that when you do identify those opportunities of burnout or frustration or pulling back you actually can take your foot off the gas a little bit right it's when you operate from the position of the burning platform which i thought was a great analogy you don't really have that that leisure right you have to keep your foot standing on the gas pedal because otherwise the whole thing could collapse right and that's not a feeling that anybody enjoys. And it can lead to more of those stressors that lead to the problems that we're talking about. And that has the the in-the-moment opportunity is exactly what you described, Tricia. It's spending extra time asking the third and fourth and fifth follow-up questions when we do get to have those one-on-ones because without body language and side mm-hmm. conversations to read all day, it is next to impossible for your instincts to kick in properly, right? I've spent 40 plus years of my life learning how to read people and situations. And now 75% of those skills are sort of like on the shelf waiting for <laughs> the Good new word. normal to resume in some way. And the way that we probably had the most success with dealing with that is to be more patient, right? Schedule the extra 20 minutes, take yep. the time. Maybe you don't finish early as much as you'd like to. It is a little bit more of a time commitment for the leaders, but in the end, it's worth it because if everyone continues to feel heard, that's the big gap that we run into the most. If they feel like they're not being heard anymore or the messages are falling on deaf ears, we're losing, we're losing connection. Oh yeah. That's the biggest risk.
2: Yep. Absolutely agree. And I always
1: think about, I'm the queen of the change curve, where you have, you know, you have ups and downs through any type of transition. And Drew, you said something about being able to lean on others. So if somebody's struggling, you might tap one of your other people to say, hey, you know what, would you mind just sitting down and talking with so-and-so and um just help you know helping them through that patch so it's the onus doesn't have to sit on one leader it has to be spread across many that you can recognize like "Eh, that person's having a bad day might be completely unrelated or could be related and i want to make sure i get to it before it goes sideways
0: yeah yeah absolutely I mean, I think there's a level of of just authenticity that's important in leadership too. And I think it's naive sometimes to think that leaders are always on and always bought like a hundred percent full go. There's a there's a responsibility, and obviously those tend to be uh, the ones in leadership positions. But I've had success. You know, there's there's ups and downs, right? And I think yeah. I, I've had success hearing from some some folks when if i'm having a, you know a rough patch or a, or a rough day i think that's so important to at least acknowledge acknowledge that with a few of your folks on the team but that awareness of knowing kind of who's riding high and who's struggling like, yeah. that allows you to kind okay. of manage it in a much better way for to get the the momentum in the greater team moving in the right direction so i think that's that's kind of a critical component of this as well
2: Yeah, I agree. You know, speaking of kind of getting that engagement of of a broader, um, diverse employee base, the article does touch on that, the importance of the early engagement, especially, so that, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not a, oh, by the way, we have to get everybody on board with this. It's way early on in the project or in a change initiative. Um, What are your thoughts on, on how to best go about getting that early engagement across leadership and then the employee base?
0: I'll go first again. My, my, uh, my thoughts on this, right or wrong, I go back to because it's fresh in my mind, and I've I've found a lot of advantages. I uh, had the the luxury of the company um, had had sent me to the pro side training, which is a change management. And I think one of the things when it comes to this is is sponsorship. So they talk about how important sponsorship mm-hmm. is for any sort of change, but certainly any change of, of, of significance or have, that has far reaching or, or broad in nature that you get the you get the buy-in from, from some key components and key change leaders throughout that you know that they themselves have significant influence. So you're, you're already getting good champions of the cause um, by doing that. And I think Tony alluded to that earlier, some of the success that we've had is, being able to identify those people, and we've had, you know, we work obviously at a at a at a great company that has a lot of driven people and a lot of a lot of people who want to be a part of these changes. So it makes it easy for us to identify and then get get folks on board, and I think that's the best way to do it because then you get you're covering all areas. You're not. I think it's important to not leave any uh, any particular areas that you know this will impact out kind of out in the. <laughs> And you know on their on their own and, and not looped in so that upfront work I think is is, is hypercritical to the, this sort of
3: initiative. I really can't add anything to that I, it's you know it is the most important thing that we've ever identified is there's a what and a why and there's a how and when we do those things out of order, we generally have more difficulty but when we when we can have a proactive, conversation with the right people who are going to be impacted, you know, talk to them about what we're trying to accomplish, explain to them the benefits, actually lean on them to identify additional benefits Mm -hmm. that we may not have thought of. Yeah, it pulls it really all together. And by bringing them into the picture early on, they feel invested. Yep. right. You know, and that investment is, is often the key between success and failure and a large scale change.
1: Yeah, and it's for me, it's so interesting, because and I'm like, can you all just go talk to everybody in corporate America right now? Because so many times people have in their minds um, to bring in change the change management team when they are going live. And I'm like, that is about nine months late. Like now all I'm doing is triage. <laughs> and that early engagement still seems to be something that it's really hard i'm like when we say early we mean from the time that we're doing like design workshops you have you know you you have to know people are are noticing people going into rooms or being invited to meetings and are walking through process design and if, if that isn't being discussed and being explained to people they're going to make stuff up
2: yeah for sure
3: and that's where you get a, a really negative survive response because mm-hmm. if exactly. you don't know yep. yeah. This is where human nature comes into it, right? There is a organic fear response built into humanity overall, right? It's a it's a sort of identified history of, of who we are. And if you don't give them the right context, you're going to get a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times you're going to get that negative response because they're going to assume yeah. the worst.
1: And well, that's de- by being I have,
3: proactive, you
1: can change that. I have many of my friends say, like, how did you come up with that? And I'm like... Oh, I was left alone in my mind (laughs) and I didn't have other information. So it's like we tend, it it is, it's that reptilian brain. It's just that old, like we're going to go to fight or flight. And that's, that's such a critical part of understanding human nature that it's not an unusual response. And, you know, when people are like, they're resisting change. I'm like, no, I think they're working their way through it. You just have to be cognizant and observant of that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk hypothetically about reducing that fight or flight instinct. Drew and Tony, what, what guidance would you offer to functions or organizations that are just at the very beginnings of, of a change initiative?
0: I think, quite honestly, it's packaging up some of the things that, that we've we've already kind of hit on to loop in one one additional component. And this kind of piggybacks off of some of the things you were just talking about, Kathy, and, and, and Tony of, of just human nature. And I think the the individual nature of responses varying. And I think part of that, not to, not to get too cliche here, but jumping back to the pro is that is this ad car model, which is is based on individual change, right. and how people change. And I think one of the interesting charts, as they show it is, people are experiencing these at different levels throughout a change, and you get people on varying levels of acceptance of you know awareness, desire, uh, acknowledge the whole the whole thing. But I think that the in order to to overcome that, it's it's to lean into that notion and then build what's difficult for you know. Tony and I, we, we always keep this top of mind with the team, but in, in actuality, it's hard to carve out the time and the, the necessary to tackle this because it truly is, it's a beast and it's something yeah. that can't you can't just easily weave into your day-to-day or into all of the, the deliverables and the projects and the very tangible things that, that come along with, with one's job. I think that what's been a big, big help for me going through, um, you know, this this recent change and trying to, Kathy, we've had conversations and just understanding the context is to, to treat it separately, right? So in doing that, it then puts you in a better position to bring your group or your, you know, mm-hmm. your fellow teammates or cross-function teams along with that. So I think that's, that to me, you know, on top of the things we've already kind of hit on, I'd, I'd say that that's an additional component for me.
3: Yeah, this isn't rocket science at the end of the day, and and that's it, but it does take reminders, right? So the number one thing that I think we've learned on our experiences together in these last few years, and then, you know, our journeys over the rest of our careers, you just got to be prepared to listen, right? And it sounds so obvious, yeah. but making people feel heard, making them part of the process, understanding what the wins are from their perspective, right? as as an executive i'm sitting here thinking about sales and margin and ebit and you know bonus structures and whatever right like but you know some of the people on my team who make magic happen in in the trenches on a daily basis that stuff's not the same to them right they want certain things to be smoother they want uh, certain things to be easier so that they can focus on growing themselves and expanding their knowledge instead of just banging keys and Trying to get work done and grinding something out, right? So everybody's definition of what's the right carrot is really important to understand. And you know, as even as you know, somebody who's been doing retail for close to twenty years, like there are things that I learn every day, right? And that's maybe the most important lesson to learn early on in your career is that the old trope of the one constant in retail is change, right? You need to be prepared to be listening because your perception of what's going on might not be the same, right? We've got a different generation of people, right? Who think about the world differently and think about their place in it differently than I did in in their shoes, you know, 20 years ago. And those things are really important. And if you underestimate their significance, you do so at your own peril, right? Because now you're putting yourself in a position where they don't feel like you're on the same side as them and you may be lost already. Yeah. So listen, really digest what they're telling you because it's important on an individual level. And it might actually tell you that some of your assumptions about what you want to change and in what order you want to do it were wrong. And listening to the people around you who live it day in and day out from a different perspective is so critical.
1: I think that what people underestimate is it takes energy. It, It can't be a like phone it in kind of conversation. Like you have to be there and invested and authentic in the conversation. And you do have to manage your, like, ooh, well, that's not how I think about it, is you really have to keep an open mind as you're hearing information. I think for me, over this past year or two, what's really been interesting is also not underestimating, even though people are indirectly impacted what i saw happen with some clients is people have worked together for years right they they might not be in their job directly impacted by a change but their colleagues were and they didn't know anything about it they moved into survive out of complete and utter because nobody had shared any information with them well you're not being impacted no but now you i could now they they had the sense that well if. If you just did that to, you know, this function, what's up for me? And to include people that aren't directly impacted to help you along with that message. I think for me, was one of my biggest learnings is we have friends that we work with. And even if it's not a direct job impact, I'm like, yeah, but the person was impacted.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. It, if I can jump just real quick back into, cause I think what Tony said triggered something specifically for me is I think this is, it's super important to understand at an individual level, like we were talking about, I think. Um, But understanding that team dynamic also is, is critical. So you need to know at the individual level, but this is, you know, call it culture, team dynamic, what have you. I think that's a critical component to this too, because it's, it is individuals and it honestly kind of plays into what you were saying too, Kathy, of casting a wider net, You know, you'd rather err on the side of, hey, let's inform or let's engage these folks. We're not 100% sure that they're actually going to see a significant change from this specific uh, initiative, but you would much rather err that way than to keep it too narrow. And then, like you said, Kathy, there's some there becomes some friction pretty quickly uh, if you if you keep that, that scope too narrow. So uh, just some additional components to, to the interesting scenario.
2: Yeah, and at least it's on their radar to that point. It's on their radar, they're aware of it. What they do with that information is on them, but they have that information if they need it at some point down the road.
1: It's very much balancing. What's interesting is we always refer to it as organizational change. Organizations are made up of individuals. And there is an there's an organizational change process, and there are individuals changing at different levels as the organization's going through the process. And if you miss that, then then you're just checking boxes. Yep, step one's done, step two's done, steps three done. You know, now I'm on to like, you know, whatever building my coalition. And then you're just checking boxes of steps. Um, but that that's what I always I always feel like has been a real advantage for us is that we look at the org we look at the individuals and understand that there's going to be the ups and downs
2: yeah you absolutely have to all right well it was it was a great conversation and really appreciate drew and tony you guys taking the time to talk to us kathy for organizing the whole thing
1: yeah thank you guys
0: thank you yeah this this was fantastic we really appreciate it it was nice to be a part of this
1: yeah, thanks so much. It was good seeing you, you
0: both.
3: too.
1: Yeah, nice yes. seeing
3: you guys. Thanks. for chatting through this stuff, you know, outside of a, a real moment of friction and in, in like trying to get work done because it can help crystallize and even continue to expand yeah. our own understanding of, of such a complex and critical topic. So, yeah. this was actually a lot of fun.
2: Good. Thank you both. So, that wraps up today's episode. We hope you found value in the content and in the discussion. If you have any questions and would like to reach out, Please feel free to visit our website at parkeravery.com. We also invite you to join our conversation on LinkedIn. Just search for the Parker Avery Group.